Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello again and welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. We have uh, one of our frequent guests back with us again this week, and that's Congressman David Price, who represents the 4th District of uh, the state of North Carolina in the Congress of the United States, and has been doing so with the exception of two years, from 1986 to the present. Uh, you took a, one, a, a one-term sabbatical, which I, I suspect may have ended up, and I will talk about this a little bit, may have been one of the great uh, two years of your political life. I'm just guessing. But uh, at any rate, uh, we welcome you, Congressman Price, and delighted to have you back on with us. Thank you. Good to be back. You know, I, I brought up something I, I thought was uh, – I, I was just thinking about it when I said it, that the one term you set out may have been one of the best two years you probably ever had because you were able to sit back, observe, watch, and uh, – Probably re-examine and, uh, uh, in many cases, reaffirm uh, your beliefs and practices. Well, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it was certainly an unsought uh, sabbatical, but I, you know, I really can't disagree with you. I, uh, in in uh, in retrospect, uh, it certainly didn't feel that way at the time. But I did, um, I did make good use of those two years. Fortunately, uh, Duke University welcomed me back to their faculty, so I was able to to pick up on my old career and a lot of my old friendships and uh, and I and I realized, you know, how much I valued those things and. Uh, and I resolved not to let them slip quite as much as they had during my first uh, four terms. So I've I've managed to stay in better touch uh, with uh, with with a lot of colleagues and and um, and and have um, continued some of those career aspects. I mean, one of the things I do occasionally is write write op eds and 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 try to. Um, to, to blend my academic background and, and my uh, congressional experience into some things that um, some some interpretations that, that that might be helpful of situations we face. Anyway, looking back on it, uh, wasn't the uh, wasn't the end of the world. In fact, as you said, it was in some ways a uh, a, a period where I gained some uh, some perspective. You know, I, I have said this about some other issues, but. Uh, if you were to rewrite uh, the Constitution or the law on terms, what would you think is the probably the practical term for a congressman? Is it two years or would it be three or four? You know, for some reason or other, we always think everything has to be in even years. It doesn't have to be. But one of the things that sort of uh, bothered me about Congress is it seems like that most congressmen are constantly facing re-election, and that uh, puts a lot of pressure on you not only in serving, but also uh, worrying about uh, getting reelected. Would you change the terms of congressman to three years or four years? I think if I was starting over, if I and, and if I was king or whatever, yes, four years would probably be be better. But uh, I don't I don't feel really strongly about that. You know the. Uh, the debate in the federal convention was not two years versus four years. It was two years versus one year. There, there was a um, a pattern in the in the state assemblies or the colonial assemblies uh, of uh, of one year terms. People were elected at the general court, you know, every uh, every year, and and uh, there was a slogan in Massachusetts uh, where annual elections end, tyranny begins. Uh, so, 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 two years was 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 kind of a compromise at that point. Of course, now we don't uh, think that way particularly, but um, 
Uh, I tell you, the only time I've been grateful for the two-year term is when I got defeated and wanted to make a comeback. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't have to wait four years. In fact, the day after I was defeated, I was plotting uh, uh, how to to, uh, get, get that turned around so uh, there there's some advantages uh, I think people who advocate two-year terms would, would probably also say that um, a, a two-year term is a check on the president I mean we've just e- experienced that with the 2018 elections we uh, we you know the country elected Donald Trump Donald Trump proved to be a very uh, controversial uh, president uh, and in uh, and, and we've been able to check him in certain ways with a Democratic majority in the House. And if it wasn't for the two-year term, you'd be, uh, you'd be basically stuck with the same situation for four years. So I could, I could argue it either way. Now, a lot of people, and especially people who observe politics rather than government itself, uh, look at the, one of the most fundamental changes we've ever seen is the influence of third-party money, uh, where third parties – buy great amounts of political advertising and take particularly hard stands, it's usually in support of a candidate or at least a candidate's position. And in many cases, the candidate supposedly, uh, in all cases, the candidate's not supposed to have any input, but I suspect in most cases they have some input. Uh, How have you seen that change the way elections are run when we have all this third-party money? It's 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 been it has been a game changer and uh, and and not not in positive ways mainly I, 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 I would say I mean there was an example I won't use names but uh, ever, your listeners probably will remember this there was an example in this state in the 2018 election where a uh, where a, a Republican member had to uh, had to say about third party advertising yeah. this isn't this simply isn't true yeah. uh, and, which which was admirable. For them to come forward. Well, with that yes, story. it was admirable, but it was also in his own self-interest because well, because true. what was being said about his opponent could also have been said about him. It had to do with taxes and with when we pay our property taxes. Yeah. You know, we get our property tax notice in in North Carolina. I think in every county, don't we? On September, September one, yeah. okay, and then you have until January sixth. And something most people to pay don't it. pay it. And, and of course, so so to say, someone who doesn't pay on September one is um, is is late with their taxes is simply. Uh, highly misleading, uh, and um, and so anyway, that was um, that was a, a case where a candidate had lost control of his own message, and the thing his opponent was being charged with was something he could also be charged with. So he d- he did uh, deal with that. Um, what I keep hoping is that uh, that enough members of all political stripes will will understand that uh, you know the tail's wagging the dog here. You know, candidates and even parties don't uh, don't necessarily control their own message or 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 what the public is perceiving, and so um, I would like to see a couple of things. One, I think the super PACs or the independent expenditure groups, I think they should have to uh, stand by their ad, just like we candidates have to stand by our ad. There needs to be an, an identification on screen. Who approved this message? Yeah. And that would be the, probably the top donors to the super PAC, number one. Number two, if you're going to call these groups independent, then they really should have to be independent. And I've introduced legislation to uh, so, so that uh, it, it should be an oxymoron, a contradiction in terms that you would have a candidate super PAC. No. Yeah. 
No, a super PAC is is independent, and there need to be rules that enforce that independence. And so, uh, so they should they they really should not have ties to candidates or or campaigns. Uh, you would think we could all agree on that, even if we don't agree with overturning the Citizens United Supreme Court decision, which made all this possible. But so far, it's hard to get bipartisan support for for campaign reform of any sort. As a point of education for listeners, <clears throat> the media is in sort of a no man's land on this. By law, if a candidate's voice is on the ad, and it can be in the disclaimer, uh, then the radio or TV station has no right to edit uh, the copy. In fact, has an obligation to run it as is. And that's probably okay, because now, as you said, it's a standby your ad. I mean, it's clearly identified. With the third party, uh, the broadcast station, whether it's television or radio, has has the liability if the claims are so false that there is room for a legisl- uh, for a, uh, an opponent to uh, take take you to court. And what uh, most people don't understand is how many times we send ads back again and again and again to third party groups and say we can't run that, we will not run that. And of course, the pop- bottom line is when they get finally to some kind of a position where you know it's still basically not right, but it's you could live with it, but uh, it really puts a lot of pressure on the uh, media to to uh, take a look at the copy, and it's still, in many cases, misleading. But it, it just can't well, be I, definitely I, wrong. Yeah, I mean that's that's better than no corrective at all. Exactly. <clears throat> but the uh, I, I think the the basic. Uh, imbalance in our system now where where these independent groups have absolutely no limits and the supreme court yep. has said that yep. i think it's, yep. it's a five four decision a very controversial decision i think there are ways to uh, fix that but uh, but right now the the more modest patches that i talked about i think are the way to go namely uh, a disclaimer an improved disclaimer so we know who the committee for all good things who that really is yeah and a, uh, a real enforcement of the rules that they have to be independent of campaigns. That would be a very positive step and would take, I suspect the copy coming in the first time would be a little bit less subject to being edited right. in the first place if that were the case. But that whole process of, of being elected, and of course, you know, interestingly enough, the uh, um, there are campaign laws and then there are FCC rules and uh, the uh, cable systems are not under the FCC as far as their right. copy. And uh, so what you see on a cable channel may not necessarily be the same thing you see on a broadcast channel. Yeah, the, the, uh, and to say nothing of social media. I mean, I mean the, oh, the, the oh, environment yes. has, has changed a, a great deal, not just cable, but now uh, online uh, paid ads, yeah. uh, robocalls, these aggravating robocalls. All of these things need to be identified as to who they're coming from. And uh, and I would I would say uh, much more closely uh, scrutinized in terms of, uh, of of the flow of money. Well, we're going to talk about. You mentioned robocalls. We're going to talk about them. I, I suspect you've gotten a, a considerable amount of mail about uh, robocalls, and there is some action coming forth. And I, I don't know whether it's enough, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. We also want to talk a great deal about uh, your role on the House Appropriations Committee, and now that you are. Uh, the ranking member of the uh, Transportation and House and Urban Development uh, Group. We want to talk about that. And uh, then we'll also get into foreign affairs, which you also have a keen interest in uh, great background and knowledge in that area as well. We'll get to all of that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. We'll take a break right now for these messages. 
This year, the North Carolina Guardian Ad Litem Program is celebrating its 25th anniversary of being a voice for children who are victims of child abuse and neglect. The Guardian Ad Litem Program provides trained, independent advocates to represent abused and neglected children in court proceedings and to help make sure they have a safe, permanent home, what every child needs. Volunteerism is the cornerstone of the Guardian Ad Litem Program, and volunteers are needed. If you have just a few hours each month to rise to the challenge and volunteer, please call 1-800-982-4041 or visit ncgal.org. Volunteer for the Guardian Ad Litem Program. Be the voice for a child. I'm Greg Biffle, American Red Cross blood donor and driver of the 16 car. Every two seconds, someone in America needs blood. You can change a life, starting with your own, by joining me this racing season and giving blood like I did. Visit RedCrossRacing.com or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to find a blood drive near you. And make your appointment today. Help save lives one drive at a time. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back with Congressman David Price, who represents the 4th District and has, uh, for let's say, I guess 21 years. Is that right? 31. 31. Oh, I forgot the math. To carry, I forgot the to math. carry my one. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking 21 didn't sound like enough, but 31. And uh, he has been a frequent guest on this program, and we always enjoy our conversations because he always brings great insight to, uh, and background knowledge to things that uh, uh, we don't get to, to see as much anymore because of the demise of the daily newspaper and the uh, – uh, the change in how cable television especially covers news. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, foreign policy for a while because this is an area that you've always been interested in. And uh, I, I know this is not the uh, subcommittee that you are working with uh, as, as its chairman, but uh, you have great insight. And you were talking about uh, Eastern Europe before well, the program started. What's the situation there? How, where do we stand? What's, what's going on? I have I have assumed a leadership role there, <clears throat> there too, as president or chairman of the uh, House Democracy Partnership, which is the bipartisan commission that we uh, began some 13 years ago to to work in strengthening parliaments uh, in in emerging democracies, especially post-communist democracies, but but uh, but uh, countries worldwide that we work with, and. Uh, I also also now have a position on the uh, State Department and Foreign Operations Appropriations Subcommittee. So there's a, a, a little more of a direct input uh, in, for these foreign policy um, interests. Uh, well, Eastern Eastern Europe is um, very much um, considered by Russia to be its um, its sphere of influence, <clears throat> and they're struggling democracies there that have uh, have felt the the brunt of of, of that um, of, of that Russian influence, the uh, annexation of Crimea, the invasion of Eastern Ukraine is the most obvious example. But uh, our sister country, Moldova, North Carolina's sister country, Moldova, is um, is under constant pressure from uh, Russia, and including a lot of uh, interference in in elections. Uh, Armenia, <clears throat> and uh, and and Georgia, these, these countries around the Black Sea. Were, were countries that um, our uh, commission visited in the in the spring, and um, I I really draw inspiration from that work. You know, we don't we don't pretend that we've got all the answers or that our institution is perfect, but it certainly is uh, moving to see how uh, the rest of the world looks to 
to America as a, as a as a long standing um, experiment in, in in democratic governance. And um, the, the 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 well, you know, it's. Um, I remember, uh, I remember uh, an encounter I had some year, years ago. I was in one of these retirement communities here, and we were in a campaign debate. And it was me and my opponent, and then the two Senate candidates. And and so uh, the the question arose, uh, you know, something about uh, what horrible shape the Congress was in. And of course, we all I have my own list of. Uh, of criticisms and reforms, but but everybody was just going at it. The two Senate candidates, my opponent, I was the last speaker, but everybody had just dumped on Congress in some 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 awful way, and I uh, I I was tempted to uh, to say some critical things, but I didn't. I stopped. I said, "Look, I, I know a lot of what's been said here is true. This 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 institution needs needs a lot of change, but." I am struck every day by the way the rest of the world looks to this country and and our imperfect institutions as it, and they aspire to that kind of um, that kind of responsive uh, governance where where the people's views matter and where we try to accommodate all the interests in a diverse society. I mean that's a that's a noble calling to try to do that and. Um, that that really is, uh, I think, the way our commission feels about our own country. We 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 wouldn't begin to uh, uh, claim that we've uh, achieved anything like perfection, or or even that our constitutional model is is right for export to every situation. But we do think there's a there's a basic premise here that a democracy is not just about having an election. A democracy is about what happens between your elections. You know, do you do you have effective, responsive governance or not? And that depends on the quality of your Congress or your Parliament. And it's messy; it is never pretty, but we've got to make it work. And so uh, that's the premise on which we engage with these countries. And and these Black Sea countries that I'm talking about, they all are former Soviet states, but they're just as some some of these countries are are making uh, more progress than others. But they're 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 basically plucky, determined countries, and and they want to they want to be democracies. They they want to have good relationships with the West. That doesn't mean they poke Russia in the eye. They got to live with Russia, but Russia has no business saying to them, "You uh, you you're part of our sphere of influence, and 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 you uh, and and we're going to determine your your economic and your political future." No, self determination is basic. And we're standing for their self-determination, and we're working with them as colleagues. And I, I really believe in that work. So <clears throat> this is um, this is what I'm very very happy to to resume. The, I, I was as ranking member. Uh, it it was it's bipartisan, and I've I've had a good continuing role. But as chairman, I'm hoping to take this uh, this work to um, to a more effective level. Let's change the subject and talk about the federal budget and the increasing deficit. Uh, one of the things that kind of worries me about the increasing deficit is the amount of the debt that is held by interest uh, in China. Uh, and we owe China investors and so much. It, it bothers me that they, uh, if they were to call this debt or dump it, how it would affect us. Uh, we are, 
people are always talking about the safety of our relations with China. China can't afford anything to happen bad to us because we owe them so much money. Our well, that's investors. The, yeah, that's the that's the positive side of this, I suppose, and maybe it's one reason you haven't heard the uh, the debt situation talked about more in the context of this current trade war, which is uh, which is pretty. Uh, Pretty worrisome, and it's worried a lot of uh, worried a lot of our our businesses and farmers and others in this country because the impact is very very real. But uh, but you're, you're right. The uh, the extent to which uh, Chinese actors hold our debt uh, is uh, it, do, it does give some leverage. It also gives some stake in in our country's uh, uh, solvency and success, though. So. Uh, it's um, it, it it cuts cuts both ways, but uh, the uh, the overall situation of our country's indebtedness and the way that in uh, this these last two years with this uh, this unpaid for tax cut a trillion and a half dollars further in the hole, you know, basically borrowing money to pay for a. Uh, a, a tax cut that we really we really didn't need. I mean, the economy was re- recovering. Uh, this this of course gave a kind of sugar high to the economy, but uh, but it's dangerous because now now what's in our toolbox? Now as we look at a real recession coming, and the need for uh, some countercyclical economic uh, policy, uh, we've done the tax cut. <clears throat> we've done the tax cut. We've um, and and uh, I, I just um, I, I I worry that. Uh, that that was a, that was an unwise move pushed by Donald Trump. Of course, it's his one legislative success, but I think it's left us in an exposed position. Well, you know, from time to time, it seems like we always get two issues mixed into one. There was a there is a significant difference between tax reform and tax cuts, but we seem to want to roll them into one issue yeah, and absolutely. handle them at the same time. But we, they're really two different issues. I mean, you know, tax reform probably needs to constantly change because the economy changes, but tax cuts get rolled into that for some reason or another. No, there's a huge, huge confusion of those uh, issues, and some of it quite deliberate. Well, yeah, and, and to the public, uh, in, uh, in general, it sometimes rolls in and makes sense if it's one issue, but in, in fact, it's, it's really not at all. And we have sort of the same issue with violence and gun control. I mean, you know, those are two different issues rolled into one. Guns are part of violence, but but it's not the only problem. Well, it is, but it is part. And, and to, uh, to to take the, uh, you know, these uh, horrible mass shootings, to say nothing of the daily uh, carnage on the streets of, uh, of our cities and so on, to take that and, uh, and say, well, it is, it is only a mental health uh, issue. And, uh, you know, by the way, we're not expanding Medicaid to cover mental health, but uh, you know that th- th- there's plenty of uh, plenty of reason to criticize that kind of uh, viewpoint. I think we need to be honest about the uh, the the, the uh, proliferation of, of of weapons in this society, and and ask ourselves some hard questions about who who should be able to get hold of those weapons, what kind of weapons should be on the street, and and what ones have no place on the street. And, and one would hope you could have a, a, a good set of uh, policies that would address those things. But that's, uh, that's one of the hardest issues right now to, to, uh, to get to that, uh, to, to to the, to that rational kind of discussion. I want to spend a little bit more time on that in another segment. I want to get back to 
the tax issue. Uh, are there any? Is there any legislation that in, involves additional tax reform or tax cuts uh, uh, in this session of Congress? There are uh, there are proposals uh, that have been introduced by, by by various members that deal with uh, various aspects of this. Uh, there's there's always talk about uh, the payroll tax. I mean, I mean, President Trump has uh, all of all of a sudden said he may just slash the payroll tax. I and and then he backed off from that for for ver- for very good reason. Uh, when when you talk about the long term future of um, Social Security, then you need to think about. Uh, the, the payroll tax and adjusting how how that's uh, how the Social Security tax is, is is collected. So there are proposals that have to do with that, which address long-term fiscal solvency of uh, of our retirement programs. Uh, and then there are always proposals about uh, you know tax breaks for uh, for specific activity. I met I met yesterday with uh, a, a group of nonprofit leaders from uh, from the Triangle, and. Uh, they they got nickel and dime a little bit by this uh, by this tax reform. There it was mainly a, a huge cut in taxes for uh, for the, for the wealthiest people in this country. But they did enact some provisions that I think were pretty uh, pretty uh, ill advised on on nonprofits where they have to tax some of their uh, parking benefits. Uh, you know, just little little things little that things, they may yeah. furnish their employees, and they spend more time with. They spend more time on tax consultants telling them what they got to do than they do on the actual tax, and and so and there's legislation which I'm trying to help with that would uh, would change that. So so, but the the bottom line is no major tax bills in 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 sight right now. I think uh, the uh, at at some point some of these smaller measures may be assembled, uh, but uh, always that's hard because uh, you you. Unless unless you just say deficits don't matter, which sometimes people say, <laughs> but I'm not ready to say that. And I think I think we we need to figure out if we're going to do another package of tax breaks, how are we going to pay for them? I want to move uh, uh, to the thing that seems to be sort of front burner right now in more detail. We alluded to it a little earlier, and that's the trade war, the foreign policy uh, issue that uh, seems to be. Uh, really uh, a threat to the economy or an improvement to the economy, whichever way you look at it. But we have a trade war going on, especially with China, that is uh, a lot of people very concerned about what the ultimate solution is. Where where do we stand on that, and what do you think is going to happen? Well, I've been watching, just like a lot of people have, as this thing has escalated. Uh, The... uh, the, the, the relationship with China, the economic relationship with China, is extremely important. It needs to be carefully tended, and it can't um, it can't set this up this country up for a fall. I mean, there there have been uh, trade practices in that the Chinese have engaged in for for a long time that are um, that that do put this country at a, at a disadvantage, and we need to deal with them. And that would include. Uh, a kind of uh, wanton theft of uh, of intellectual property. It um, it has in the past involved currency devaluation, although not so much in in, in recent years. Certainly, state subsidies uh, practices where products, uh, often subsidized products, have been dumped on markets in ways that are disruptive. You know, all of these things are are real issues. We have um, we have rules and laws that are supposed to deal with those. They don't. All, always, they need to be enforced. Uh, 
So I think for um, for any president of either party, the trade relationship with China is is, is going to be a real challenge, including the uh, trade practices that China engages in. So this calls for for uh, a, a very uh, careful and calculated approach. It, it, it calls for uh, combining whatever sanctions you impose or whatever tariffs you might increase or whatever, combining that always with diplomacy and, and with a, a desired outcome. You, you, you don't just, in a, in a kind of wholesale way, impose a, a bunch of tariffs and assume that uh, when the pain gets bad enough, they're going to come to us and want to negotiate. That seems to be the approach of the Trump administration. By the way, it's also what they're doing with Iran in blowing up the nuclear agreement. It is not the way uh, successful diplomacy works. And, and so um, that's, but that's the dilemma. And we, there's, there's no question there's some real issues here with respect to Chinese practice. But I'm, I'm afraid that the path we're on, uh, is, uh, we're not likely to address those issues very, uh, very directly. You've left me with just the right amount of time to thank uh, Congressman David Price for being our guest and, and giving us insight into what's happening and give us his views and opinions on what should happen. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another interesting guest for us. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can do that by going online to carolinanewsmakers.com. As I said, we'll be back next week, same time, same station. So we'll look forward to seeing you then. Till next week, have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers.